James chapter 1, verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I got it. I could, I figured that out. What I got was this. Listen up, shut up, and don't get mad. Uh, still, boy, I wrote this in by my hand. Don't let, X always tells us, don't let what you, what you don't get get in the way of what you do get. And you're going to get enough uh, when you read that uh, if I didn't understand the seraphim, boy, I sure got blessed by James chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, I was absolutely blessed. Uh, sitting in Bible studies has opened up my understanding of God's Word. Uh, I've learned to read Paul slowly. <laughs> you got to. Paying attention to every punctuation mark. Feeling free to reread many sections over and over again. Uh, until the Lord blessed me with revelation. Because revelation, it turns out, is really not in our own abilities to understand. Uh, the Lord reveals the word to you as you read it. Uh, but you should always read the Bible with the expectation that you're going to get something out of it. That there's something there for you. I think when you just read by ritual, like, yeah, yeah i got to read the Bible. I'm getting, I'm getting ready to go to work. Uh, i got to get my Proverbs in. If you read like that, uh, there's a good chance you won't get anything out of it, or there's a chance you won't, uh, for sure. But if you read saying, what do you got for me today, Lord? You know, what, 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 do you, what do you want to teach me right now? You'll probably get something, because the Lord wants to teach us. He definitely wants to teach us. And X has often told us that a stool needs three legs to stand. Reading the Word of God is one of them. Uh, but that three-legged stool has two other legs. Uh, I may struggle with my understanding from time to time, uh, but right from the get-go, I didn't need much study or instruction in talking to God, which is what prayer is. It was easy to talk to God. He was so ready to receive me. Uh, it comes naturally because as Christians, we're commanded to pray, and God listens to us. As Christians, he wants to fellowship with us. He wants to hear you. And he's never too busy. He's never, he's, you never have to take a number, you know. Uh, the God of all creation wants to spend time with us. Doesn't that blow your mind? It blows my mind. Every morning when I pray and I think, you want to hear from me. You want me to sit and pray and, and to fellowship with you. Uh, Fellowship with my brothers and sisters is another leg of that stool. And it's not something I also have a problem with. I love you guys. I really do. You guys are special to me. So between prayer and reading the word and fellowship with one another, we basically get what we need to walk with the Lord. Uh, and each of the four verses we're going to be looking at uh, tonight, prayer figures very prominently in them. So then, let's begin our study with prayer, uh, that we may be granted understanding and application. Father God, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we are grateful, Lord, for your word. We are grateful for the command to pray, and we are grateful, Lord, that you receive us so readily. Lord, let us open our hearts to receive your word. Open our minds, Lord, remove our distractions. 
and help us, Lord, to to listen to what you have for us this evening. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here in verse 13, James addresses two different situations with basically the same advice, which is take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. All too often we find ourselves seeking out the Lord with all kinds of zeal and passion when we're in dire straits. When we're hurting, when things are going wrong, uh, we're all over it. Uh, when the storm is raging, uh, we're, uh, we're definitely there. Uh, there was a country singer named Ronnie Millsap, and he had a song that said, Help me get out of this one. I'll get out of the next one all by myself. You know, well, the, the, Every time the next one came along, I still needed help. Uh, but when the sun is shining, the seas are calm, gentle winds filling your sails, it appears it is far too easy to forget the Lord at those times. It is, isn't it? Uh, you're having such a good time. Uh, so... Here in, uh, in verse 13, we find understanding, but so often we fail in that last aspect uh, in application. We remember the Lord when things are tough. A lot of times we forget. Uh, verse begins with two questions, and while they are not exactly rhetorical questions, they bring us all uh, front and center with their obviousness. There is no one who has not suffered. There's not a person in this room that hasn't suffered. And uh, there's no one who hasn't ever been cheerful. We've all had an opportunity to be cheerful. You know, so we know these two things. Uh, some of us uh, have experienced them to the extreme and, and some quite conservatively. There are those who carefully never cry all their tears. Unfortunately, the same individuals quite often never laugh all their laughter either. Uh, see, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Still, it's safe to say we all understand suffering and we all know what's cheerful. James addresses the two diametrically opposing situations with two different commands. One is to pray. The other is to sing. Interestingly, the initiative in both situations is exactly the same. Let him. In other words, we're instructed, we go to prayer. We're not saying that prayer is going to come to us. We go, let him sing, let him pray. As we're to take the initiative and go to God. So then both situations are totally different. The end is both the same. We're commanded to seek God in the good times and the bad. Oddly, it appears that the seemingly better, the cheerfulness of the two, requires more diligence and attention in going to God. Most of us do not go to 
to God until it rains on our parade or our picnic. When everything is going splendidly, it's easy to forget that God has blessed us. And although it takes us, all it takes is a simple thank you, we're having such a good time, we forget the one that created our good time. Not only does God bless us with good time, he also blesses us with the appreciation of those good times. I didn't understand that for a while. I ended up doing a study in Ecclesiastes, and I've met rich people that were miserable. They were miserable. They had, you know, everything that you could think a person would want. They were loaded, but they weren't happy. They weren't happy. Then the Lord hadn't really blessed them with the appreciation of what they had. In Ecclesiastes 5, verse 18, if anybody wants to turn there. Here's what I've seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor, which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him for his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage, rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. I didn't realize that. I, I, uh, my wife and I hike. A lot of you know that. Uh, and you get out there and, and you know, you, you hear the crunch of the, the gravel and, the, and the, the dirt under your feet and you smell the, the smells and, God, I just, I flip out. I really do. I love it. I just love to do that. And it's not only that God has given us this great creation, but he's blessed me with an appreciation of it. And and you have to cultivate that a little bit. Uh, you got to take time to smell the roses. A lot of times we don't. We get so hung up in our lives. Uh so then we, what we have to do is we have to rejoice with the author of our rejoicing. Uh, and he should be acknowledged. Going to God in the bad times is easy, way easy. As Peter said to Jesus when Jesus asked him if, his, if the disciples wanted to leave too, when he had lost a lot of disciples because of his teaching, Jesus, uh, Peter said, where else could we go, you know? When you're out of gas with four flat tires on a deserted back road, somewhere out of nowhere, where else can you go but to the Lord? You know, you can't call AAA. In James chapter 1, we read, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I think a lot of people hate that verse, you know. We do, we do. You know, Daryl taught on that one night, and he fully admitted that there are things, there are times in his life when he was far less than happy. Uh, and it's really hard sometimes to say, you know, yeah, thank you, Lord, for sending me this trial. And yet you know that you're going to be stronger for it. You know you're going to be better in the long run. But it's still difficult. One of my favorite commentators is uh, David Guzik. I go to him a lot in Blue Letter Bible. He says that the two commands could maybe be reversed. Uh, the, the possibility of singing when you fall into various trials and praying when you're cheerful to give thanks. And it, it kind of like was an odd thing to look at to say, wow, you mean I, I should sing when I don't feel so good? Yeah. 
I don't like to suffer. <laughs> so count it all joys when you fall into, fall into various trials. Not the easiest thing for me to do. Singing helps. It does. Hum a tune. Uh, sing a, a, a worship song that you remember. Singing actually does help. It does. When I'm overwhelmed with happiness, it's a good, good time to take a moment to reflect on that joy and to give thanks. It is a good time to give thanks. Being overwhelmed with joy is wonderful. Being overwhelmed with grief is another thing entirely. Uh, praying and singing are not really so different. Uh, we, we sing psalms or we read psalms. And uh, psalms were a sacred song or a hymn. And in particular, those contained in the biblical book of psalms. It's what they are. Psalms are songs. Psalms are songs. And if you read psalms, you'll see that David was singing in good times and in bad times. It wasn't always when everything was wonderful. He didn't just rejoice with hallelujahs and stuff. Uh, plainly put, suffering and cheerfulness are kind of flip sides of the same coin. And you got to play the hand you're dealt to the glory of God. You got to play the hand you're dealt. There's no cheating. There's no dealing off the deck. There's no compromising. You got to give him what you got. And, and Paul's a, an incredible example of this. I think Paul is. I think I think Paul is is one of uh, Xavier's uh, heroes. Uh, Paul's uh, Philippians four first. Uh, Verse 12, actually 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's being able to play both sides of that coin and not be sweating it, not be worried about it. Uh, it's not easy. And whoever said that this was going to be easy? If anybody was told, become a Christian, everything's going to be easy. They weren't told that by a Christian. You know, it's not. Uh, but it seems the Apostle Paul could sing uh, and pray in any situation, in any situation that he found himself in. In Acts 16, uh, there was a situation where there was a slave girl, and she was uh, practiced in the art of divination. So she made uh, a lot of money for her uh, her owners. And Paul kind of upset the apple cart. And as usual, he caused a big stir, which he was very prone to do. So then, then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. Now... There's a situation, I don't know if I would have been singing 
You know, maybe if, if I'd have been alongside of Paul, I would have. But uh, the one of the keys to, to that verse to me, that last verse is, and the prisoners were listening to them. There are times that when in your bad times, in your bad times that you're going to find that uh, that people are going to be looking at you and wondering, how can he do it? Or how can she do it? You know, how can you, how can you keep, uh, keep your confidence up? How can you keep things going in a positive way? And there's only one reason for that. That's Jesus Christ. So much of this is so obvious and I need to be reminded of it. I need to be reminded of it with, with everything that goes on in the world, you know. It, you get so distracted. You get distracted by your 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 home, your family, your your job, the things that we do. We get all mixed up, and we and we take our eyes off the cross, and we end up being like Peter. You know, Peter said, "Hey, you know, he saw the Lord coming to him on the water, and he said, if 'It's you. Command me to come.'" And the Lord said, "Come." And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water. And I used to think that he maybe took two steps, and they went in. And I thought one day, I go, he might have gone 100 steps. He might have walked 100 yards on the water before he noticed the wind and the waves. But the wind and the waves sunk him. And that's what happens when we take our eyes off the Lord. We sink. We fail. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with, with oil in the name of the Lord. Like suffering and cheerfulness, illness is something we all have an intimate relationship with. When we're sick, we all go looking for that feel-good pill. You know, there's, it, there's a whole bunch of different kinds. Uh, headache? Take an aspirin. You know, tummy ache? Take some Tums. There's an overwhelming abundance of ads on television for just about everything that ails you. Some I'm very hesitant to mention. No matter what, from the top of your head, Rogaine, <laughs> to your toes, Jubilee, uh, <laughs> and for every part in between. As I said, in the spirit of discretion, some are unmentionable here, but not on television. You're going to hear it on television. You hear about everything on television. Now, can you imagine? Imagine this. Okay, so you're sitting down, you're watching television, you're watching your favorite show, and they break for for an ad, right? And the announcer comes on and said, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Well, no. <laughs> can you, I can imagine it. I can imagine it. And I, and I, I hope you can at least imagine it. Uh, but I'm not holding my breath. And I think you probably shouldn't either. Uh, not in our lifetime, not maybe on this side of heaven are we going to get that kind of an ad on television. But that's it. This is the command that the Lord, through his word, gives us. And once again, the onus is on us. Let him call. Once again, let him call. Reach out. Uh, totally out, out of context, James 4.2. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay. I've quoted this out of context, but I'm going to apply it to those who have need of prayer and don't ask for it. I cannot pray for you if you keep your distress a secret, 
And uh, there are people that say, oh, I didn't want to burden my friends with my problems. If that's true, if that's the way you feel, I suggest you have the wrong Christian friends. Okay? Uh, or there's something wrong with you. You know, maybe pride. Don't be prideful. When you need help, admit it to yourself and then ask for prayer. I had, most of you know, because I'm a big mouth about stuff like this, but I had back surgery, okay? And uh, I had three surgeries in 10 months, two surgeries three and a half weeks apart, two infections, five vertebrae treated, one fusion, and I'm beginning my 11th or 12th week, I kind of lost track, of recovering, and I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Praise God. Uh, but I didn't stoically remain silent. You know, I'm just going to suffer with this. You know, I was as shameless as a used car salesman <laughs> or a telephone solicitor and asking for prayer. Why? Because prayer works. It's that simple. Prayer works. Uh, I believe without a doubt that was the prayers of my brothers and sisters that brought me to where I am right now. And I learned something. And I don't sleep really well. And I ask the Lord a lot of times when I, I'd wake up and I'd be drooling on myself trying to pray. and I'd be all messed up. And I'd, I'd ask the Lord, oh, Lord, just get me by today. Get me through the day, you know. And, and he would. He would. He was faithful. Then one day I thought, I'm talking to God. He can do anything. I feel terrible. But I want to have a good day anyway. And I asked the Lord to give me a good day. Even though I felt terrible. I had only slept an hour. I had to go to work. I want to have a great day, Lord. And he started supplying those great days for me. And I was like blown away by it. I really was. But with my uh, back surgery... uh, what I prayed for, what I asked people to pray for, was a spectacularly successful recovery. And I believe I'm headed in that direction. I am. Uh, and even though I'm not there yet and I still covet your prayers, I'm blown away. Uh, before the surgery, I wasn't able to walk to the refrigerator. Uh, I, if I was going to get to the refrigerator, I had to think of how many things I had to get out of it because I didn't want to have to go back as for a second trip. You know, I hurt that bad. You know, but the Lord has blessed me. We need to pray. We all need to pray for ourselves and for others. We need to be prayed for. Prayer is an exercise in faithfulness. As as is requesting prayer for yourself. Requesting prayer for yourself is an exercise in faithfulness. When we when we pray, we expect results. Or else, why do you pray? If you don't think God is listening, why would you pray? Right? And I believe with all my heart that God is listening. He knows. You know, it, it's it's crazy to think of anybody asking for prayer without without believing that God is listening. It's a futile exercise if you don't believe that the Lord is there for you. Sam spoke earlier about He's never overwhelmed. He's never. He, there's never too many of us for him. He's never too busy. Uh, he loves us that much, and he's always there for us. We're told we're told to call for the elders of the church, and I don't believe we're being instructed to ask 
uh, a church official, such as a deacon, a bishop, a pastor. In my opinion, though not specifically defined in this verse, what we're asked is, is prayer from a mature Christian. Mature Christian. Uh, prayer night. Prayer night's kind of funny. You see some people waiting for X. You know, they're, you know they're, their turn and one of the other pastors is available. And, uh, but they, they, they let somebody else go ahead because they're going to get, they're going to get X. He prays real good and he's got the best oil, you know. <laughs> Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Uh, David Guzik's commentary. This anointing oil has been interpreted as seeking the best medical attention possible for the afflicted. Oil massages were considered medicinal at this time or as an emblem of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. Check it out. Luke, the good Samaritan, used oil in a medicinal sense. And in uh, Luke 10.34, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The oil and wine were medicine. Uh, kind of like uh, uh, biblical uh, peroxide and iodine, <laughs> you know. In Leviticus, though, we find oil used in a spiritual application, uh, Leviticus 8.30. And Moses took of the anointing oil and, oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron and upon his garments, upon his sons and upon his sons' garments with him, and sanctified Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. So... Oil can be seen in two different kinds of applications. And as we get to the end of this verse, though, we find the authority that makes this a reality and not just an incantation. You know, like it's not, it's not witchcraft. It's not in the name of the Lord are the last words in this verse. Never in our own power. Never. Never in our own strength do we pray. Always by the power of God, which is available to all of us. It's available to all of us. X is my brother. I love him dearly. He works hard to study, to understand God's work and teach word and, uh, and teach it to us. We all know how hard X works. But I believe his prayer, uh, if I believe his prayer is better than anyone else's, I'm just like the Catholic who believes that the Pope is the only one with the red telephone, you know. Uh, to God, and in doing so, in doing so, you diminish the Lord by putting someone in between God and myself. I would be doing that if I need the Pope, if I need a priest, I can do it myself. But it's like there, there are times it's better to say uh, when we ask for prayer, we're asking somebody to partner with us, because by the time we pray, uh, we should be already on our knees. If by the time we're asking somebody to pray for us. Uh, if you have a phys- heavy physical task to do, it's easy to ask for help. Sometimes you just know something is beyond your strength and abilities. My wife and I worked in a heavy physical uh, environment. We did a lot of tugging and pushing and lifting and carrying and such. Uh, it was You heard all the time, hey, give me a hand with this. Not, a, none, not an uncommon thing to hear when I was in the work, workforce and, and frequently... It came from me. <laughs> hey, give me a hand with this thing. Uh, and somebody would always help, it seemed like. Spirituality, it's really the same thing. 
Sometimes you need, you need help. Uh, when I knew that I would break my back, and Johnny knows, he was, he worked hard too. When you knew you were going to break your back with something, you asked for help. Uh, don't be too proud to ask for help. It's in the faithfulness of our prayers, not in the eloquence, not in the eloquence of our prayers. And we're going to see that. In verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This verse requires some attention because it would appear that all we have to do is pray and presto, there goes your illness. Uh, It doesn't exactly happen that way. If we take it from the beginning of the verse and break it down, we can see maybe in a different light. The prayer of faith. This is a continuation of verse 14 and refers to the prayers of the elders. It also defines the prayers we're talking about. These prayers are prayers of confidence in God, as all our prayers should be. Like I said, if you don't think God's listening, why would you pray? Uh, Faithfulness goes with prayer like ham goes with eggs. You know, they just fit. It's the way it is. Uh, There's no question mark in our prayers. God can do anything. God can do anything. And we know that. It's weird. It's weird. I, I think sometimes we forget how much he loves us. And how much his plan is perfect and his love is perfect and complete. In Philippians for uh, verse 6 in chapter 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Being anxious for nothing is faithfulness. It's faithfulness. When you say being anxious for nothing, that means there's, you're, you're saying there's no problem that the Lord can't handle. There isn't a thing that the Lord can't take care of. I love the last part of this. Well, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Guard's a military term. The Lord be on duty. He'll be taking care of your heart and your mind goes on says and the prayer of faith will save the sick in reading that our prayers would save the sick i noticed that it didn't say would heal the sick it might be argued that the word save could be synonymous with heal doesn't exactly say that but still that in studying this it seemed like there was some uh uh i wouldn't say contradiction but uh not nobody said this is exactly what it means will save the sick because there's so many aspects to illness and there's so many aspects to saving. Uh, our, still, our prayers are to be lifted up in confidence as we trust him in his perfect will to take care of us. And once again, I, I, I tell the guys at jail this all the time. You guys know I'm in the prison ministry. His plan is perfect and his love is perfect. His plan is perfect. Uh, and the Lord will raise him up to healing or to glory. I don't know, uh, but either way, but I know once again that Jesus' love is absolutely there for us. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. The Jews held to the belief 
that someone, if someone was stricken with disease or physically afflicted, sin was to blame. Uh, this is the, the case in the book of Job, where Job's friends assumed that the catast- catastrophes of Job's life were the results of his own wrongdoing, and that he deserved all he was getting. And that's, that's awful, you know. If you read the book of Job, this poor guy is saying he's lost his kids, his house, uh, all his wealth. He was like the Donald Trump of his era. Uh, and everything went, you know, to hell in a handbasket, like instantly, instantly. And the guy never lost faith. He never lost faith. But his friends were sitting there. What is, what is, his wife said, curse God and die. You know, whoa, you know. That's what his wife told him. And then his friends started hammering him chapter after chapter. His friends were just, you know, saying, wow, listen, Job, if you weren't such a rotten guy, you know, all this wouldn't be happening to you. They believed that. So it could be that, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven, that James was writing with that in mind. I can't say for a fact. In verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Confess your trespasses. Confession is a serious thing. And I don't mean to imply that we need to uh, confess as the Catholics do uh, in a dark little booth uh, anonymously. They always had this scream, it was good, Priest didn't know who you were, you know. That way, if he saw you afterwards, he didn't say, "Ooh, <laughs> I heard that," you know. And and you didn't need intercessory forgiveness from a priest either. You didn't need intercessory forgiveness. I mean, what if you didn't have a priest at hand? You walked around filled with your sin, and and there was no escaping it. That's not true. But rather, if I come and come to you and acknowledge, confess maybe that I spoke harshly to you or or someone or hurt your feelings or someone else's feelings or I did something uh, that had nothing to do with you. Uh, There's a kind of a cleansing in doing that and admitting to your wrong. It also gets you straight. Uh, Trespass means to enter the owner's land or property without permission. It implies uh, a crossing over of a boundary. The the boundaries here are anything that crosses the boundary that God has set for us. God has set boundaries for us. And like uh, like kids, like teenagers, if you don't set boundaries for teenagers, look out. Then you're, you're in trouble because you're going to have to deal with them when they grow up. Also, this doesn't mean that we're confessing a transgression against a particular person. There's a person that's hearing our Confession might have nothing to do with things that we're acknowledging. You might be going to a person for counsel. You might be asking that person, you know, like, what do you think or what should I do? But the key here is is that we confess to one another. Sin's an isolating thing. Sin, people sin and, and they don't want anybody to know about it. And it's understandable. It's understandable that we don't want anybody to know what we did, especially if you mess up big time. If you mess up big time, boy, you keep it a secret. 
but it breaks our fellowship with God. Uh, and frequently it interferes in our relationships with each other. It messes you up. You know, we, a lot of times if you really did something wrong to a person, have you ever noticed you, you hated to see him coming? You know, you kind of like, you know, make believe you didn't see him. It's true. It's true. In terms of physical healing, I don't believe, as Job's friends did, that the reason I caught the flu because I sinned. But I do believe that our spiritual lives and our physical lives are not completely isolated from each other. Uh, if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are because God's Word tells us we are, what we do spiritually impacts our entire being. There's nothing you can do that doesn't impact your entire being. There are those, that, like I play, I play guitar, you guys know that. But there are those that feel that everything on a guitar affects the sound of a guitar. Everything, the tuning machines, the way it's finished, everything affects the sound of a guitar. Uh, and I don't believe that we have a spiritual side and a physical side exclusive of one another. If we confess our trespasses to one another, there is a spiritual healing. In, uh, in uh, Psalm 51, verse 4, when David said, Against you and only you have I sinned. You know, he, he broke it down immediately. It's one of the things about David. David didn't, I love when David said, Grind their teeth to dust. You know, and he didn't like somebody. He let them know. And he didn't pull any punches when he prayed. You shouldn't pull any punches when you prayed. Ask for all you want to ask for. Admit to, to the things you did wrong. And, and let the Lord sort it out for you. And he will. He will sort it out for you. Uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's in First uh, John chapter 1, verse 9. Am I contradicting myself? Well, maybe. Maybe I am. Because you know, the question is, does, uh, does sin cause physical uh, damage to your body. Uh, I'm going to fall back on this. A lot of times I don't understand something, but my heart knows. You guys know. Uh, deep in your hearts, how much what you do physically uh, attacks you spiritually and vice versa. Uh, so does uh, sin cause illness? Everything is everything. Everything is going somewhere. And there's no such thing as a free lunch. You know, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Have three elements at work here. And they, they work together uh, to its in, intended end, which that intended end is avails much. We want our prayers to be heard, to be answered, but so often they are lukewarm. We are guilty at times, all of us. All of us are guilty at times of being lukewarm in our prayer life. But the word that James here is used here is fervent, fervent. And that's defined as having or displaying a passionate intensity. Passion. How passionate are we in our prayers? Uh, or in any other aspect of our walk with Jesus? How passionate is your Hallelujah. Is it hallelujah or is it hallelujah? There are people in this church that are 
passionate people. And when I went to work in uh, the trade show industry, I looked around the floor, and the guy that was working the hardest and the fastest, I tried to work like him. When I look around the church, I try to see the people that are the most passionate, the people that are just solid. And little by little, you can tell who that is. Those are the people you model yourself after. Has the heat of your salvation chilled over the years? Sometimes I think that it has. You know, then on the other hand, no. The Lord's working on me. He's hammering me. He's hammering away the old man. And he's letting the new man come out. And it's not a process that happened in the moment of my salvation. It's something that he's working on. David Guzik, I love this guy. Much of our prayer is not effective simply because it's not fervent. It is offered with a lukewarm attitude that virtually asks God to care about something that we care little about. Effective prayer must be fervent, not because we must emotionally persuade a reluctant God, but because we must gain God's heart by being fervent for the things he is fervent for. God loves us passionately. God doesn't just love us lukewarmly in Revelation. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I love that. That makes you just go, okay. Is it possible for an unrighteous man to offer prayer? You better believe it. Proverbs 28.9 One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer, is an abomination. So are you listening to the law? Are you, are you doing as you should? Or are you... Uh, are you just maybe real lukewarm or are you just kind of skirting the issue? Righteousness is authored and bestowed upon us by Jesus and no other. There's no other way to righteousness. You, if, if you're any other kind of righteous, you're self-righteous. Psalm 1, uh, verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Uh my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. So our righteousness comes from God. We know that. And you have to, you have to lean on him. You have to keep constantly turned. You can't do it like Peter. You can't see the wind and the waves. The wind and the waves will sink you. But Jesus will keep you afloat. And you'll walk on water. I watch somebody's going to go out there and try to walk across their pool later on or something. Uh, are we righteous in ourselves? No. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you give him your best? Are you grieved if you don't? Remembering that we're not perfect for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. So one of the, guys, the guys in jail a lot of times say, they think, I can't do this. I can't do this stuff. I can't do this Jesus stuff. I can't, I can't be like that. But we're not called. This is what I tell them. We're not called to perfection. We're not called to perfection. We're called to give God the best we have. Uh, we don't get a righteousness score. Uh, we do get 
Did, did you give your best to the Lord score? We get that score. Did you try? You know, yeah, you're going to fail. We all fail. We all fall short. Uh, but the core of our righteousness has to be grounded in Jesus Christ. Can you pray righteously? Yeah, you can. Definitely. Can you pray fervently? Yes, you can. Give it up. Give it up. Be passionate. Be passionate. Don't be afraid to pour your heart out to the Lord. I know I don't have to tell Ernie that. I know I don't have to tell Ernie that. Ernie is a passionate man. Every verse we looked at tonight has leaned on prayer. Here at Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, prayer is one of the cornerstones that holds this building up. Our pastor, who teaches the Word of God with diligence and dedication, gives one Thursday a month to prayer. Considering X's intense calling to teach us the Word, this is no small indication of what importance Xavier places on prayer. Also, consider this. Every morning, our pastors begin the workday with prayer. They pray for the church and for us. I know this because I feel my recovery has been blessed by the prayers of our pastors, and they've been diligent. My friends have told me that. Uh, I was told one day, boy, you sure are the object of a lot of prayer in the morning. You know, what a blessing. I feel my recovery has, has been blessed by the prayers of all of you. I believe in prayer. Uh, I'm humbled by the love and concern that everyone has shown for me. I absolutely am. I'm humbled to the point of tears. One morning it hit me that how many people had prayed for me. As I got up and I walked around and I was able to walk around, I went, wow, people are praying for me, even now. Uh, one of the tenets of uh, U-Turn for Christ, which is a, a Christian drug rehab, uh, is prayer. Everywhere, and I mean everywhere, uh, there are signs, some big signs, one right across a building, and some real small, just tucked away in corners, uh, that simply state, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. And there are a ton of these signs. My son was evidence of the truth contained in these signs. Before my son went to U-turn, I asked uh, one of the overseers if they counseled. If they counseled. He said, no. I go, you don't counsel? You got a bunch of drug addicts trying to get straight and you don't counsel? <laughs> I was on the phone with this guy. He goes, he goes, dude, he goes, I'm a heroin addict. He goes, you want me to counsel your son? He goes, let Jesus Christ do it. He'll do a much better job than I will. You know? And it was true. It was true. My son's sober. Uh, he's making good money. He's remarried. The devastation, the catastrophe of his life has been turned around. And I believe it was because of prayer. They started every morning. They started every morning by going to prayer. Then they went to the proverb circle. Then they went to breakfast. Then they went to work. And like, uh, like this guy, this overseer told me on the phone, he goes, there's a ton of people here to pray with him. He goes, we, we, you know, they can pray with each other. They can come to us. 
And I, I believe with all my heart that it was the prayer of all the faithful, the prayer of my wife and I, that did what it did. A lot of people, know, how many people know Rubens, our usher? A lot of you should. Uh, Rubens had a liver transplant, a triple by, transplant, a triple bypass, and his gallbladder removed all on the same day. Same operation. Uh, he was so close to death uh, that our pastors and his friends went to visit him on more than one occasion to say goodbye to him. To say goodbye to him. He's serving as an usher once again. He's, I mean, he comes, he smiles. Uh, he sponsored or, or was heavily involved in the, uh, the, the church go shooting day. They go out to a range. And uh, he was inviting people. He had, I mean, he's just vital and full of life. But he was actually so close to death that people were going to visit him. Am I right? Yeah. People were going to visit him to, to say, see, it's nice knowing you. And here he is serving. Yeah. It's like prayer is amazing. Prayer is an amazing thing, and, and we take it so lightly. So often we say, well, at least we can pray. You know, what, are you nuts? That's the first thing you should have done, you know. But, and I'm guilty of that. Don't think I'm, I'm slamming you guys. I'm not. I'm, everything I'm saying applies to me. Uh, okay. Uh, okay, so I rode in the back of a cop car. Uh, and uh, and now here I am standing in front of you. I tell the guys at jail this. I, I challenge them. How many of you think you could be standing where I'm standing? You know? Well, the difference is the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. So let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we are blessed. We are blessed, Lord, by the, the fact that you love us so much that you listen to our prayers and that you... You, you change things. You change things in our lives, Lord. You bless us amazingly. And I give you thanks and praise for that. You heal our bodies, Lord. You, you're the author of our joy. You take care of everything that we do, Lord. And we acknowledge that right now. I pray in Jesus' name that we would just continue to pray and that we would not forget you, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Let's let's